My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. And joining me for his first time as podcast producer is Ryan Butts. How hey, you doing? I am good. You feeling, I, you feeling a little shaky? Yeah, I hope this is recording. Do you think? Yeah, I think it is. If it's not, <laughs> you're fired. You're just so fired. I'll just wrap duct tape around the Mac and <laughs> fix it for next week. <laughs> Well, we have we have a, a, a really great guest with us, so we can't screw this one up. We've got Caleb Bacon with us. Hello, Caleb. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Pilar. Ryan, good to meet you. It's nice to be here for your special day. You, have, you, you. have a really great radio voice. Thank God that you have two podcasts. <laughs> I retired one, so I just have one left. So the one that you have left is Man School, right? Yep, Man School. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll talk more about. Sure. It. There's so much we have to talk about. I haven't seen you in podcast form in a little I, I while. No, I know. Okay. The well. Here's the here's the thing. The last time that you were on the podcast, it was like two years ago or something like that. It was like 130 episodes ago. It was so like long that. ago. Yeah. And you said, hey, I got I got a little tip for you. There's going to be this show uh, called Luck and David Milch. Right. Yeah. Who yeah. you were assisting at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, Michael Mann were yeah. going to get together and they were going to do this great show. And we were like, oh, my God. And a year later it came out. We really felt in the know. And I watched it. I want to let you know. I watched it. You were the one. I yeah. watched it going. I know this is going to be good. And, <laughs> and then and then some stuff happened. But you can't talk about that. Right. Uh, I, I can talk about all sorts of things. Yeah. You want to know about the horses that I killed personally? Yeah. Is that Pilar? How can you ask me? I told do, you we're not supposed to talk about it. Really that. went off the the air because of the accusations about about the horse killings. Do you think that's the thing, or do you think maybe story wise it lost its way? Well, the way I look at it is if if they kept going and another horse died, it would have been really, really, really bad. Right. So I understand HBO's choice to end the show. Okay. Now, are, do you still hang out with with David Milch? We, uh, you're familiar with handball, Venice Beach, and hopscotch, uh, basketball. Yeah, we do all that stuff. <laughs> Take our shirts off, go out do on the courts. Do Really? Oil up. Uh, absolutely. Hopscotch. Sure. Ryan knows about Venice Beach hopscotch. Oh, yeah. Sure. Gosh, you got to have the pecs glistening. Oh, man. Um, I am so hanging out Yeah, I'll down still there. see him here and there. I worked for him for a long time. Yeah. I uh, spent a lot of weekends with him in the office well yeah but, the process that you described at the time was so interesting like he would like lie on the floor and and sort of spout these ideas and you'd be writing them down and it was yep. very writerly yeah yeah i was basically his hands mm -hmm. uh, he would not use computers or pretty much any technology or a lot of furniture <laughs> he would not use and i know he's still you know writing doing his thing i look forward to his next project but uh yeah we were all excited about luck Dustin Hoffman, Nick Nolte, uh, Eric Roth was part of the show. We did Forrest Gump and all these other great films. Uh, just didn't quite come together as a lot of people would have hoped, but then the whole horse thing happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can't sort of go into that because I'm sure 
I can't speak much about what happens with horses on set. It has nothing to do with scripts, but it's very unfortunate. And, and you know, the, the show itself, yeah, you know, it, it had a great mixture of people and could have possibly been something, but... I don't know. I have nothing to say. <laughs> That's be so you don't tell your students that they should uh, put animals which can be harmed in their scripts, oh, or do you? Oh, God. You know, it's tough. How can you make something about horse racing without horses, right? I know. I know. Uh, well, this, this is what happened. But uh, what's the saying? You're supposed to use animals and children as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they're really good in a production. Nothing can go wrong. Um, let me tell you a little bit about what, what, what Caleb Bacon is doing right now. He is an L.A.-based writer and surprisingly not a director. That's true. So, okay. Um, currently writing on the Vince Vaughn-produced sitcom Sullivan and Son. And season two is going to come to TBS in June. And also, as we mentioned, uh, you currently host the popular new podcast man school which i listened to and i thought was really well done thank you um and it's an honest and funny interview show dedicated to men's defining life moments which i'm going to ask you about later on um and uh you also worked behind the scenes on tv shows such as it's always sunny in philadelphia and deadwood and um (laughs) you were the only crew member to work on both of 2012's big budget shows that featured animals not only luck but nbc's animal practice yeah both were canceled so ah (laughs) okay so the the link so maybe it's not the horses maybe it's you maybe that's that's the thing no animals died in animal practice oh they did not did they no no they did not but the show died Uh, (laughs) see i'm saying maybe it's you and uh and you're not related to kevin bacon no your your last name really is Bacon, it is. and you are in the band. You're the, the Bacon, Bacon Brothers, Brothers band. Yeah, yeah. I'm like the roadie because they're like <laughs> you take my, care of their horses. Well, my brother and I are the roadie, and we also do like their, we clean out the stalls for yeah. their horses. <laughs> that's that's, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's cool. Are you actually uh, at all six degrees related in any way from Kevin? Bacon? Yeah, because I I have I've had one line uh-huh. in one television show. Okay. Uh, John from Cincinnati, another canceled show, and uh, that was uh, in a scene with Rebecca De Mornay. Who I don't know what, but she's been in something with Kevin Bacon. Okay, so that <laughs> makes you. It. So I think that that makes you like three degrees. I think that I think that's one degree. Is right? that one degree? Well, the the six degrees thing is supposed to be for movies. Okay. Hmm. So if we're gonna cheat with TV, it's still one degree. Okay, I thought it was it could also be real life. Are you at all, uh, Ryan? Are you at all degrees removed from Kevin Bacon? I was in that movie Sharknado, which I think I've talked to. That's about. right, that <laughs> classic Tara, Sharknado on Tara Reed Sci-Fi was in Channel. that. She's got to be somehow related to uh, something with Kevin Bacon. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Do you think maybe he she had a good uh, fun night with Kevin Bacon, something like that. Possibly. That's not that, how the game. That's is not how. Is not. Can't it be like a <laughs> no. like it's real? People who have slept with Kevin See, Bacon. See, I'm, yeah. I'm used to that's, like real six degrees of separation. It's <laughs> only got to be movies and TV shows. That's the thing. That's yeah. the game. Yeah. So you want to play like the Pilar version? <laughs> yeah. Like I went, for example, I went, I went to a theater camp with Kira Sedgwick. So that makes me one degree removed from Kevin's, and, Kevin Bacon uh, for real. Okay. So. All right. I, so if everyone keeping score out like there, for, you win. I totally win. So I, I like for real, for real six degrees <laughs> games. Okay. I walked by Kevin Bacon in a parking lot once. See? That's so what I mean. What's that? It's LA. It's LA. Right. Exactly. But that's not why we're here to talk. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Sullivan and Son. 
not to be confused with Sullivan and Sons, which is what I was calling it. Which is not a show, but you're not the first person to do that, and you won't be the last. Sullivan and Son. But and you, you focus on film. You didn't know about TV stuff. <laughs> no, we talk about TV all the time here. You, no, you said Breaking Bads. You said Mad Men's. <laughs> you said Sports Centers. This is what you said off mic. Just so people yeah, at home know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, uh, Sullivan and Son. Produced by Vince Vaughn. Tell me a little bit about the show because I have to admit to having done my homework by listening to your podcast and forgetting to watch the actual show that you write on. I'm stupid. So tell me a little bit about Sullivan and Son. Well, I'll tell you the long version. Go for we it. Got, we got a couple hours, right? Yeah, something like that. So basically, I was David Milch's writer's assistant for a long time. And it kind of, before we were doing luck, it slowed down a little bit. And I started doing some writer's assistant work for Rob Long, who's the showrunner on Sullivan and Son. And we would uh, work at his house in Venice. And he, he didn't have a show on the air, but he would sell a lot of scripts. And he would also do, because just because he's a more veteran showrunner, he did Cheers for the last few years. Like, he, a lot of networks would, at studios would pair him up with younger showrunners. He would supervise them. So he always had, like, stuff going on. And so I would help him out, and we would just be laughing all day. And it was so much fun. And I had a lot of amazing experiences on these, like, great big HBO one-hour dramas I did. But I was just like, I would like to laugh more. And there, and I kind of figured out, like, okay, if I get more opportunities in comedy, that's probably a better place for me. And then I, when I did the pilot of Sullivan and Son between the first two seasons of Luck, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm working with, with Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley and Rob Long and all these great comics, comedic actors who are on the show. It was just so much fun. And we were laughing all day. And it was like, yeah, this is this is where I need to be. So, And uh, you're a funny guy in, in real life. So that makes a lot of sense that you'd be on a comedy. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of like how I always thought. But at the same time, I was doing pretty well in Milch World. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, OK, this is a good path for me. I'll mm -hmm. do this. I get to hang out with Dustin Hoffman, Uncle <laughs> Dustin how many degrees is he from Kevin Bacon? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you're probably actually, when it comes to degrees removed from people, my goodness, you're 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 one degree from lots of important people. <laughs> Wait, so if you're a crew member on something, that's yeah, part of your yeah. How is? And the, I went to a summer camp with Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. And then I worked. So I left. I left Luck a week before it got canceled. Uh huh. And it took a leap of faith on a big pay cut to go work on. Sullivan and Son, and uh, was this the first comedy, like commercial comedy, you'd worked on, or had you worked on other comedies before the dramas? Um, I had worked on, like I said, developing stuff with Rob and the Sullivan and Son pilot, and just some kind of some little things here and there, but never, never like a full season of a production of anything. Gotcha. And then so go to Sullivan and Son, and it's just so much fun. And the the multi-com, you know, I'd always loved sitcoms, hadn't watched too many in recent years, but especially like grew up on Cheers mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And uh, so just the experience of like being in that writer's room and having the opportunity to pitch jokes and... Well, tell people a little bit about the show first, because oh, you okay, were telling sure. me the people who produce it, who, people who are okay. on it, and then let's talk about your experience in the writer's room. So Sullivan and Son takes place at a bar in Pittsburgh. And... First of all, bar is a great place to set a show because it's it's a I mean it's basically a device for you can have people come in and out like who you wouldn't normally have in like a regular a regular world. So that kind of makes kind of gives you some more like creative freedom in a way. But so the the main character is Steve Byrne. He plays Steve Sullivan, and he's half Korean and half Irish in real life. Life and he's a very funny stand-up. And so Steve 
moves back home to take over the bar, which is still ran by his mom, who's this hard-ass Korean woman, and his dad, who's played by Dan Loria from The Wonder Years, which... The he, ultimate TV dad. Sure, yeah. The ulti- he's he's my dad, you know, now. Which, he doesn't know that, but it's pretty so cool. One of these days you'll tell him, and yeah. yeah. I think he just assumes he's like everyone's dad who's my age. That's kind of cool, actually. Like when I was working on John from Cincinnati with Mark Paul Gossler, who mm-hmm. pay, played Zach Morris... He didn't know he was my real big brother that I never had, but but like I knew. <laughs> it's nice that you have all these secret relationships with people That's that it, they though. don't know about. But. Actually, yeah, when I worked with Ed O'Neill too, TV's Al Bundy, uh, he was my other real dad. <laughs> so many dads. My real dad's fantastic too, but yeah. Dave Bacon's no Al Bundy. Just Come on. thinking, you're... <laughs> or uh, what was it? Jack Arnold, Kevin Arnold's father on The yeah. Wonder Years. I don't think he smiled that whole series. Did he? Didn't have to. He saved for Sullivan and son. <laughs> Which he doesn't have to smile too much in this show, but yeah. he. Uh, so the show is this kind of working class, multicultural neighborhood in Pittsburgh, and it's uh, so it's Steve's old friends who he grew up with, and you know the old bar regulars, and it is uh, it's a lot of fun. How much uh, how much research do you have to do in bars to be on the show? Uh, between the ages of eighteen and twenty six, I did like forty hours a week. Well, that's that's <laughs> great. You're, my you're an in. expert. It's, yeah. you're you're an authority. No, I really in this. did. <laughs> I believe that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so tell me, uh, you said it's multi-camera, yep. right? Now, so talk about a jump, right? My God. I know. Live I know. audience yeah. and, and, and the whole thing. Tell tell me about the process writing that show and what it's like to, to be in the writer's room. Uh, so pretty much the the thing about like uh, multi-camera for the production is you, uh, you do... You basically well, so we'll start the, the production week with the table read, and what I've come to understand is that there's a big difference between writing a script and then a show. And so once your script becomes a show, it's this thing that's alive, and it's you have to like hear it, like it doesn't quite work the same on the page, which is the name of your company. I know, I know. Thank you for dropping <laughs> that. Appreciate TV it. For more. Yes. That's your website, right? Right. Thanks. Thanks, Caleb. And so you, so you do the table read, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, a page you thought had some good jokes in it, maybe it read a little bit slow, or you see some spots where you're like, oh, that's funny, but that could be funnier. Or like the the scene, how you want to end with a joke, sometimes you're like, oh, we could beat that. And, and you, and you kind of see, uh, you kind of like see these things that you can't see once you start with the table read. And then you rewrite it that night, and then the next day you the actors will rehearse it, you get to see it all over again. And hopefully you made it better. And then the idea is you do that throughout the week, and then hopefully by the end of the week it's it's much much better. Or a lot of times you'll take it you know too far in a direction on Wednesday, and then realize oh yeah that stuff from Monday let's bring that back that sort of thing. How how much uh, of the how much of it is a solo process before you get to that production week? Um, uh, in terms of coming up with the ideas for the episodes for the whole season, is that all done? all at once when you guys first start planning the whole season or is it done like the week before that or how does that work? Usually the bosses have a lot to say about that. So our okay. showrunner, uh, Vince Vaughn, uh, you know, Peter Billingsley or Steve Byrne, they'll say, you know, here's some ideas we have for this season. Here's some things we want to do. And because we're a show on TBS, we only have 10 episodes. Hmm. So we kind of don't want to do too many similar episodes. Sure. And so we'll have to say, okay, here's two stories that are both kind of like capers. And then, okay, here, and then showrunner will say, let's do this one and not that one, and that sort of thing. So we'll try and have like a good variety. And then when it comes down to it, each writer will get assigned a script to go do that the, the room has broke the story for. Mm-hmm. And then the writer goes off, writes it, and then we go make it better together. 
Gotcha. Now, I hear so much about once it gets to a live audience of writers immediately sort of recrafting jokes right there, in right in front of an of an audience, like basically like tweaking things in the very last minute. Is that happening on your show? Here's something that we do, which is kind of fun, and this is, it's not too common. I guess it's an old school thing. I don't know if it's like a Lucy Desi old school thing, mm-hmm. but somewhere old school. So we shoot before a live studio audience, and we do two tapings in one day. So we basically have like a dress rehearsal in the middle of the afternoon, but which is just treated as an actual show. So we record the whole thing. Um, it's one take of each scene. So it's like you watch a play of mm-hmm. the script. We do have an audience for that. And then so we'll get to see it, you know, one more time up on its feet. And then we'll do a little rewrite between the show. And a lot of times that's like kind of looking for cuts for places that, that felt kind of slow. Or, you know, if somebody can beat a joke and we all agree, yeah, let's do it. And, now, what do you mean by beating a joke? Uh, beat it like you have a better version. Okay. Like, we can beat that. We can do better. Got it. And then with uh, the second show, we'll do multiple takes of every scene. You know, we'll do we'll do some kind of alternate takes. Like, um, a lot of times in a sitcom, when you have, like, one character ending a scene with, like, a joke, you might be able to say, oh, let's, let's just try a couple different versions of this because it's, like, a, it's a clean way to shoot it. You know, it's not, like, in the middle of a scene with a bunch of people moving around or something like that. And that's where we can have some real fun. And the audience likes that because, the, you know, the, our audiences are great, which is really cool. But at the same time, it's like it's asking a lot to like show people the same scene sure. a bunch of times. So when you show them like a new joke, they're just like energized. Like mm-hmm. they feel like that's for them. And, you know, the fact that it was unexpected is pretty cool. Uh, do you find the um, do you guys have a warm up uh, comedian? That, we do. Yeah. Do you find that that guy really, really helps uh, or girl really, really helps the um, the laughs during the taping of the episode. I think Ryan's trying to get a job. <laughs> What's your resume? <laughs> Talk about it, Ryan. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Well, I uh, co-host this show. <laughs> yeah. okay. well, you know, war- being a warm-up comic is a crazy different skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you could be there for four or five hours. You can't do your act. Right. Like, you got to keep the crowd moving, you know? Right. So it's a lot of, like, interviewing people in the audience. Sure. You know, just having fun like that. And it really helps because... Because the actors feed off of it. I've worked on a few shows and seen a, a couple different styles from different warm-up comedians, and I just always wonder um, how much of an impact that has. Like when you're when you're doing the live taping, and that uh, that warm-up guys really kick ass. Uh, do you notice a huge difference, or you guys have had the same guy the whole time? So I guess who? Same guy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there'd be a difference, but like the thing about it is, people are excited to go to a sitcom taping. Right. You go to Warner Brothers. Have, uh, Warner Brothers is fantastic. I love Warner Brothers. If you want me to go to the Fox lot, you have to pay me. It's like a Scooby Doo ghost town. <laughs> but hey, if anybody from Fox wants to buy a script, that's a different story. <laughs> but Warner Brothers is great. People are happy to be there. They're energized. They want to have a good time, and so. The warm-up comic does have to do his job, but at the same time, it's it's not like you have to convert people who don't want to be there. Gotcha. So, so the dress rehearsal, which is sort of like a mini show, can change the script itself. Do the do the actors themselves? Are, is there any leeway on your show to improvise? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's it's sort of hard with multicam because because you have like. Like, the sound guys have to know when they're supposed to mic an actor and that sort of thing. So if they go ahead and move a mic because they don't think somebody's going to say something, then it's like that improv... improv how do you say it? What's the word? Improvisation. Improvisation. Yeah, yeah, that. Sure. Let's edit this out. I know you're not going to do it. <laughs> We're not. Improvisation. Never. I that confidently. <laughs> uh, so people, like, 
there's certain spots where they know when they can improvise, but usually they know that we'll come up with some good alternate things for them, and they're excited about that because, like, as a performer, that's that's a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. So, so then the real thing happens. Um, they're when, both real because the, well, we'll use takes from both shows. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. And cut. Got it. Got it. Got it. Are you proud? Like when when there's a particular joke that that you wrote like and it lands you're like yeah that's mine yeah well the cool thing is like if i get a joke into the table redraft that will be that script is rewritten and rewritten and rewritten all week and so to have something actually survive to get to the taping is a very cool thing it's like a trophy like yeah yeah, that's the one that made it this all those drafts yeah that's awesome and then when it actually happens in the show it's like it's not as exciting because I've gotten to like experience some of the joy all week. Like, yeah, still in there. Yeah. And then so it's nice, but I'm also really tired by that point in the yeah. week too. Because the other thing about when you write a sitcom compared to a multicam show is because you have to rehearse the whole show the next day, you have to rewrite the whole script. And if that is a problematic script, that means you're going to have a long night. And if that is a, if you're having trouble with something, you try it again the next day and it doesn't work. Because whatever, you know, maybe like you're writing two characters and you want them to do something that just doesn't look right on the screen. And especially like last year was a season one show. You know, we had to like figure out things with actors who never, we'd never done this before with them. So then, so sometimes if you're having one of those problems, it just means for late night after late night for like a whole week. Mm. So have the... I mean, you're you're discovering a show. I would imagine in the first season, you're sort of discovering right. potential relationships and potential uh, comedy runners, and also perhaps the behavior of characters is coming out in a way that you didn't expect. Sure. Um, so now going into season two, uh, were there any of those moments that you're now going to think exploit in 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 season two? Yeah, I think we did last year too. One of the things about like working with such a good group of writers who are experienced is when they see some kind of surprise magic happen, it's like, oh yeah, we got to do something with that. And so it just starts happening right away. You know, like maybe an actor will have some more lines the next week. But with season two, one of the fun things is like, you can kind of say, you know, this character didn't really spend a lot of time with this character last year. Well, let's try that out. What would happen if we put them together? So that would, that's sort of just like you could do a whole episode around that now, just just mixing up the chemistry a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and then you kind of have to creatively figure out like, okay, what's a good reason for it? And so you ask yourself stuff that's not as like obvious as to what just pops into your imagination normally. What are the kinds of problems that you hit from week to week? Like if you were going to brainstorm a new episode, where would you start with with sort of the setting that they're in or the 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 storylines of the characters or how does how does that usually start for you with a new idea uh i know sometimes for my boss rob who's a showrunner so it's his job to navigate not just each episode but like the whole season and so he'll often come up with he'll come up with like premises for shows that he wants to do but he'll also come up with like here's an idea i want to do and I really want to do this idea. We just have to figure out how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, our, so our show is three acts. And we have, a, we have a short cold open, three acts, and then a very short tag at the end. And so sometimes like his ideas will be stuff that's in the middle of a show. And we'll have to figure out how to get there. 
So in a way, it's sort of like, okay, well, that's that's your lead in, and then you're going to spring off. So the idea isn't like, oh, this sets the premise for the episode. This is where you eventually want to get. So yes. he wants to get like this scene or this joke or this moment, something like that. Is it an emotional moment or is it sort of a comedy moment usually? Well, for well, so for our show, like we try and have all the emotion be as true as possible because it's a show about people who are friends, mm-hmm. and it's also this family runs this bar, but all these people who are in the bar are sort of like a family. Family of, look, didn't Aaron Sorkin taught us that <laughs> the people we spend time with is who's our real family? <laughs> You're going back to this family thing. You totally want to divorce your parents and <laughs> just, just have like like TV families. Look, Dan Loria and I are going to go to baseball <laughs> games soon. We're, he's going to call me son. <laughs> I'll call him pop. It'll be great. Zach Morris will be there too. <laughs> His big phone. Everybody, that'd be awkward, but it'd be great. I would love it. Tussle my hair. Does uh, does each season um, of the two is there like a definitive arc for the whole season, or is it more of a one shot kind of a sitcom where it's just every episode kind of is contained? Uh, standalone. Everything. Got it. Everything stands alone for this show. Um, so it's not like Steve finds out he has a, a son at the beginning of season two or something. You know what I mean? Uh, we could do that. Sure. Now we got to pay you royalties for that idea. <laughs> well, basically, our show is just meant to be like, just fun. You, you turn yeah. it on. You don't. You, and you don't say like, oh, I missed last week's episode, so I'm I'm out of place here. And is is that something that is the showrunners uh, theory, or more TBS wants the show to be like that? Uh, I don't know about I don't know about TBS, but I know like like Vince and Rob like they yeah. ju- they just wanted they just want to do a funny show that you can just. Anybody can turn it on anytime and enjoy it. Got it. So what is it like working with Vince Vaughn? The funny thing is he's been just kind of one of my comedy idols for a long time, which does not make me special because he is for a lot of people. And then the very first time I ever got to work with him, uh, it was basically like, oh, yeah, that's right. This all validates why he's one of my comedy idols. <laughs> and then some. Because he has got the gift of gab like no other. And I know people like know that. But to be able to hear him unedited, like he will just come up with the most amazing stuff all the time. And a lot of like a lot of it is kind of the way his brain thinks of speech and the phrases that'll pop out of his mouth. Like he will he'll be improvising something and it's almost like that's good enough to be a catchphrase for a whole show. Well, if you think about swingers, I mean, so much of that appeared at least to be improvised, you know, and all yeah. those those terms that were coming out of Vince Vaughn's mouth seem so naturalistic. It's got to be him. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what it's like, and it's it's pretty cool to be around that. That's, does he have Does he have a nickname for you? Does he call you like bro or anything like that? Anything? He calls me. I wish you were Pilar. <laughs> oh, weird, weird nickname. Now that I think about God, it. But. I wish I was. I wish I was Caleb in the room with Vince Vaughn. But that's another. That's another thing. That's never mind. And he, I mean, so, Vince also. Sometimes, like with these shows where you see some big star whose name's producing it, yeah. you're like, yeah, right. That guy doesn't really do anything on that show. Uh, but Vince actually does for our show. He comes in, he does his work. Yeah, yeah, and he's there there for all the tapings, and he helps really shape the show. Yeah, I feel like when he did that Wild West tour, it was like it was like because he really likes stand up and likes a variety show. And then I feel like with this show, it's like he's like, I want to do a sitcom. It's like in his nature to to branch out and do these things because they're like passion projects for him, rather yeah. than just like you said, throwing your name on something. Yeah, and I think also for a lot of these big movie stars, they they have free time. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, I don't know how long it takes to do big movies, 
But if you're a big movie star, you can't do too many big movies. Mm -hmm. So he has a production company, and they, they're trying to make a lot of shows, and uh, it makes sense. Yeah. Now, what have you been learning as a writer from, from this process? I mean, you've got, from going from, you know, intense one hour to this, what are you learning about, about comedy writing or writing in general? Uh, well, the, so last year I worked on Sullivan and Son, mm -hmm. and then I worked on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and then I worked on Animal Practice, Rest in Peace, and then I worked on a Disney multicam pilot. And so it was like my, so all these shows are different types of shows. Single cam, multicam, kid show, multicam, uh, animal, single cam, all this stuff. And so to be able to really see how these different writers pull this off was just like, it's the best like crash course in comedy year. And, and you weren't always writing on these shows. Sometimes you no, were it was behind mostly, the scenes. Uh, it's just now that I'm finally getting some, when I say finally, it's because I'm old, <laughs> but finally getting yeah, actual. Really old. <laughs> look, the first time we ever did a podcast, I had so much more hair. <laughs> uh, but you look younger every time. Thank you, Caleb Bacon. You're I welcome. appreciate you, it. I'll uh, take that. You too, Ryan. First, <laughs> Thank you. First appreciate time you've it. ever met him. Well, if you shave next time, you'd probably look <laughs> We're going to do that. Make sure that happens. Uh, you, you don't have to, my friend. <laughs> so I got to, We're talking about comedy? We're talking about comedy. We're talking about what you learned. Okay, so so being on the inside, looking at all these shows and the different ways that writers work, and now being actually in the writer's room writing, what are you learning about, let's say, editing or dialogue or character work? What, you know, what do you know now that you didn't know then? Uh, one of the things I really like is that I learned that multicam takes balls. <laughs> and it's sort of contrary to what you think, because mm -hmm. you kind of think it's a softer form of comedy, especially compared to like, you know, Curb your enthusiasm or mm -hmm. something like that. But you have to experience whether your joke works or not because you're going to do it for, not just at the table read like a single cam would do. You do it for the whole crew all week long. And as much as people want to be supportive, it's not funny. They're not going to laugh at it. And so you will get to have the experience of like, oh, that joke died. Mm -hmm. Oh, that whole page stunk. Oh, that story doesn't really work like we wanted it to. Because you, ha you get to feel this thing that's alive. And so I found that to be a really interesting thing. And it's, it's super helpful because all you have to do is pay attention. And it's up to you to make it better. But if you're, if you're there and you're, you're in the present moment, you know, and you're zen, <laughs> and you just you go, okay, people are not laughing. Let's do something about it. Have you had the moment where a joke bomb that you were responsible for and then they go, we need something else right now, and then you spit something out that did work? Or... You're saying I've had a joke bomb, right? <laughs> That's uh, not likely. Um, basically, I I come up with all the setups, okay. and other people do the punchlines. Oh, that's, that's, that's smart. No, that's not true. But um, yeah, I've had, I've had joke bomb, jokes bomb, and I yeah. I gotta think that's a fantastic experience oh, yeah. for any writer. Sure. Because uh, on on I, I know writers on other single cam shows. You, you write something, you go, okay, this is good, let's do it. But you don't really know. I mean, if you think it's, if you think it's funny in the room, that, sure, it's funny, but to see what like your audience thinks is a, is a very cool thing. It's a gamble every time, right? Just to, until you see it in front of that live studio audience, right? It's weird. Like, if you had told me all this stuff before I started, I'd say, ah, that's probably, that doesn't really make sense to me. <laughs> you know, if you read a script and it's good, it's good. But it's a lot different when it's up on its feet. So... Um, what kind of a, you know, we talk about sort of the personality dynamics in the writer's room, um, and everybody sort of fits into certain certain roles sometimes. Who do you think you are in a writer's room? 
I'm the guy who should not talk too much <laughs> because I'm on the bottom of the food chain. Okay. Um, we've got like multiple writers on our show who have been showrunners. Mm -hmm. So we've got some great experience. We've got lots of really talented people, and uh, they're nice enough that you know I don't, I don't, they don't trash me too hard. But uh, there's a hierarchy, mm -hmm. and you have to respect it. Not not in like kind of like a BS way, but it's you do need to know your place a little bit. Um, do you, are, are you, you seem really, really relaxed about it. You don't seem panicked about it. And do you think that has some, something to do with how you got the job and why you're keeping the job? There's a lot to be said for the experience I've had yeah. in difficult writer's rooms yeah. already. So this is easy. Yeah. You get to laugh all day. <laughs> like, uh, there were some tough, tough moments on luck that uh -huh. had nothing to do with horses. Got it. <laughs> and there were there were some tough years. So so now I'm like, hey, this is great. Oh, I wish I could get some stories out of you, but I'm not <laughs> gonna go there because I want you to keep all your jobs and uh, and have more. Well, so. I, like, I love David Milch, mm -hmm. but he's known for being an eccentric genius. Mm -hmm. And so when you're an eccentric genius, you're, you're not the normal guy walking down the street and you know, you don't use a cell phone <laughs> and you don't type on a keyboard. So it's just, it's a different experience. And, and now this is uh, this is a little bit more normal for me. <laughs> so, do you think that you're going to keep doing multicamera? Well, I want to stay in comedy. Mm -hmm. That's that's the goal. Uh, multicam is great. Um, if somebody wants to hire me for single cam, that's cool too. But I really lo I love the energy of it. Um, doing it for the audience is great. You know, getting to go to stage to see run-throughs, mm -hmm. uh, getting to getting to go to the table read, and then like the actors go run the stage to rehearse and more. Like people don't just go home. It's I just I really like the whole thing. Now are you gonna Are you working on an original pilot? So I am. Ah, yeah. uh, now is that uh, it's half hour clearly, right? Yeah, it's actually single cam. Okay. But yeah, it's half hour. Uh, what What audience do you see this going for? Is it a network audience or cable? Okay. Not Not pay cable, but but just cable. Excellent. Yeah, something on cable. So let's let's uh, switch for a second and go to your podcast, okay. Man School, That's right. which used to be. It was another man. It was I was on it. The man show. The man. That was Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel show. Yeah, yeah right. You, did you do that? Show? I didn't do that. <laughs> My old what show was, was called on? The Gentleman's Club. Oh, okay. You were right. one of the girls on trampolines. I was. I was you? on the Gentleman's Club. I was. It was long, long time ago. Clearly, <laughs> but we've got a history. I think it's I all followed a stripper. I'm, I'm pretty sure something like that. <laughs> she was on the the episode before me. Don't judge my audience. I won't. Guests. I won't. But now, I mean, this is this is the man school, and it's not schooling people and being manly. It's talking to men about their experiences, right? Yeah. Basically, I did my old show for a long time, and mm -hmm. it was like not as long as this show, mm -hmm. but it was, I did 154 episodes. Yeah. And I was just kind of over it. Yeah. And what I what I realized was. I did. I was passionate about podcasting, but I was not passionate about my old show, and I didn't know what to do. So I quit my old show because I just I, I wasn't putting out shows that were as good. It was more sporadic, and it just did not feel right. But with podcasting, as you know, there's no rules. Mm -hmm. When Animal Practice was canceled, I knew to go home, right? Because they said, "Okay, tomorrow's the last day, guys." <laughs> and then with the podcast, like you know, I had an audience, and I I felt weird about like pulling the plug on a show that people liked. Um, not everybody liked it, but, but people liked it. And so what I figured out in this time off was like my imagination opened up and I, because I was able to like put away the stress and anxiety of what should I do with my show. And then I figured out 
I got to do something that I love. I got to do something I'm passionate about. And one of the things I figured was I love having conversations with other men about like their real life experiences, about like the stuff that they've been through, whether it's like achieving something or overcoming something. Like that's how I spend a lot of my time. And that's helped me a lot in terms of all the stuff that I've screwed up, which has been plenty. You can trust me, Pilar. (laughs) (laughs) I listened to um, a show with another serious crush for me, which is Joel Stein. Oh, okay. I have a total reader crush on Joel Stein. I read his articles, and I think he is phenomenal and so funny. And there he was on your show yeah, Joel's talking great. about how everybody hates him. I he, wanted to hold his hand. Yeah. yeah, so basically I wanted to do a show where people are going to be honest and vulnerable about, about real stuff, but in like a fun way. Mm-hmm. So the episode with Joel is called I Piss People Off. Mm. And I like, so I want to. So sweet, so hot. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead. You're talking about okay. Ryan? No, what? No, sorry. Such a good no, job. Just talking about Joel. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, Joel's fantastic and married like yourself, oh, right. Pilar. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. I think they're swappers. You guys are. <laughs> you guys are too, right? I know it goes Put on the in the watch valley. in the fish. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I, I thought it was a, a really interesting show and, um, and, it, it struck me that if you sort of have this pressing question about sort of other men's experiences, how do you feel when you're watching TV or watching a feature? Do you ever feel like, okay, that is just a caricature of the male voice or, you know, the male persona? Do you think there are any stereotypes that are male stereotypes that, that we've gotten just so used to that you're, you're sick of? Uh, yeah, I would say that we're cavemen. Uh. Now, the thing is, I was a caveman for a long time, but I know a lot of guys who have decided to put some work into themselves, like try and try and like find a better life, like whatever that means for them. And so one of the things with talking to Joel Stein was like he writes a lot of polarizing, controversial stuff, but he doesn't like to get death threats, Mm -hmm. which has happened a lot of times. Wow. So get to like talk to someone about, okay, what was what was like the. What was the thing he did? You know, did he really mean to do it? What did he learn from it? What happened after that? That sort of thing. And, and you know, what was the kind of the beginning, middle, end of that story? And it's like you get to hear some, like, realness. And I think with a lot of things, uh, in movies especially, like, they don't portray guys as real multifaceted people. It's just sort of like he's the dumb guy or he's the crazy guy, that sort of thing. Or, well, which I, you could speak to it better than I can. Because uh, you're a teacher of screenwriting, and the best in the biz, I might say. Yeah, they, they, thanks, Caleb Bacon. You did it again. Yeah. You're really good at that. But there's, you know, the certain like archetypes of characters and things like that. That uh, there should be more for guys. <laughs> well, just more more facets of those. Of, right? It doesn't have to be that it's just one way or another. There's there's those gray areas. I think I wonder if maybe people are afraid to explore the gray areas because it's somehow makes the male character look weaker or more effeminate or it it could it's so hard when you only have a few words on the page to portray a character that if you if you sort of wallow in those gray areas let's say in certain genres it'll feel weird like why is he saying that when you know we want him to be strong or funny or crazy that i mean that makes sense one of the big things I learned from working for Milch for so long was that characters should have conflicting motivations. You know, people are not so simple. Like his probably most famous character he created was uh, Sipowitz on NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the alcoholic cop who was a great cop, but at the same time, he did some dark stuff. He had some personal problems. He was a jerk to people a lot of times. But you got to see, like, he wasn't wasn't a bad guy. 
but he wasn't like a typical good guy either. He's just he was a complicated like real person. TV I think allows you more of that time to go there. It's you mean uh, thirteen seasons? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's much more difficult with feature I think to 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 say okay yes it's a genre yes a character is making a strong choice and there's this other side take note but stay the path you know stay the course make, it's tough yeah, it makes sense so how do people do it I don't know I don't know they'll have to take a class somewhere <laughs> I will, I'll on have the to, page I'll have to work on TV yeah we'll, we'll just slash see. complicated males <laughs> if only I could write something during like a coffee break oh yeah I know I know within that 10 minutes of time where yeah. maybe you could make progress on, on your screenplay perhaps ah He's uh, what what uh, Ryan's trying to do is plug my book, The Coffee Break Screenwriter. I love both of you for trying to do this. I appreciate it because I forget. I don't know why we need to plug your stuff to your own audience. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we need to go downstairs, tell the people outside. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Maybe not the guy by the 7 Eleven. I know. The 7 Eleven guy. He called me partner on the way in. Oh, did he? Yeah. Partner? <laughs> hey, partner. He looked like he was on a coffee break then. Yeah. Maybe that was the right time. <laughs> Hey, I, we always ask people on this show who are working, um, what's your what's your best career tip that you can give people? What have you? We asked you what you learned about writing, but but what would be a good career tip for people who are thinking about moving into your field? So when I was working on Deadwood, mm-hmm. I got to work with this great cinematographer who passed away, Jim Glennon, and he was this guy who I, I learned so much stuff from him. Just I mean, he would tell me a lot of like tips, but also just seeing how he would interact with people and there's a lot to like take away but he said to me you've got you've, you can only hire people you'd want to have a whiskey with hmm. and uh, look I'm off the sauce now so I'm not gonna have a whiskey with anyone you can't make me Pilar okay but I think I-, I can't but okay <laughs> but the idea being that you want to hang you work with people and you got to hang out with them you got to be there for a long time on hmm. these shows television features whatever so you got to like people and a lot of people don't basically you you have to know people to get hired i think and it's not like in the well my uncle's kevin bacon so he's going to have me on his film but <laughs> see i knew you were i knew there were more degrees we okay it. yeah okay. people have to know that they can spend time with you mm-hmm. so when it comes to networking which i think is very very important you have to like you have to keep relations going you have to you have to like do things with people socially and go buy somebody a beer, right? Wouldn't you suggest that? Well, I feel like every friend I've made out here, I've had a drink with, and then another drink with, and then maybe that leads to something. Or a you cup of I mean? joe, you know, yeah. right? Yeah. For a coffee break, exactly. Yeah. But with it, and I don't think it has to be that sort of like, oh, hey, let's go to this networking mixer. Here's my card. Here's yeah. my card. Yeah, it's like no, meet people you like. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great people here in this business. And have some friendships, you know. A lot of I have a lot of great friendships that started off like kind of randomly, and you you have to put the work into that. I would say just as much as your writing, because most writers I know say that they they're how they've been hired is from other writers, not so much just agents magically making it happen for them. And if you're going to be in a writer's room for 12 hours a day with people, they have to know that they can have a whiskey with you. Well, I have to say, Caleb, if if you were still open to the whiskey, you'd be one of the first people I'd want to have a whiskey with. Well, so I agree that well, you're I, that guy. Zero. <laughs> how could people uh, check out everything Caleb Bacon if they wanted to? Well, Sullivan and Son, uh, which I'm proud of, feel it's like our little show that could, uh, <laughs> TBS season two, June 13th, uh, 2013. People could be listening to this many years in the future, <laughs> sure, which is very possible because that's in how. In that case, pick it up on Green Ray. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am very Ooh, excited. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, a little, cl- little bit clearer. A little, a little it bit. actually plays on your pinky ring, oh. which, or it will. Um, I'm on the internet. Uh-huh. Man I've heard School of it. is okay. on the internet. Hop on iTunes, search for Man School with Caleb Bacon. Find the show, download it, love it. Pilar's crush Joel Stein is on there. Uh. The website is manschoolshow.com. I'm on Twitter at Caleb Eats Bacon. C-A-L-E-B, <laughs> Eats Bacon. Uh, CalebBacon.com. And Pinterest, Instagram, whatever else you want. Facebook. You're come, everywhere. Come find me. You're all over that darn internet. Okay. All right. I think people will find you. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to see you guys. Uh, let's talk. How did Ryan do? Oh, uh, Ryan. Is, I, I am loving Ryan. I think Ryan's great. I think, first of all, technically, he hasn't lost anything yet. Uh, you know, he even gave me a little text that said we're at 40 minutes, which was like, that's new. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think I think that meant, hey, move it on. So this is the halfway point, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, he's right. I've got a writer's group coming in and uh, I should probably start signing off. But before I do, ask me how Ireland was. How was Ireland, Pilar? It was pretty cool. Um, so I got back from Dublin and from Belfast. Uh, I don't know maybe two weeks ago, maybe. And um, I want to give some shout outs because Alan Fitzpatrick, who listens to the show, um, he also runs something called Film Base in Dublin. And Film Base actually uh, gives money to uh, for independent projects. And I mean, it's it's an incredible organization. Every I really country but America, it. I feel like they do cool stuff like that. <laughs> or like, well, if you're in Canada, like the Canadian government like gives you money to they go do. write. They do. People all over give, give writers money, except so, here. Alan Fitzpatrick, you are a saint, my Alan friend. Alan Fitzpatrick, thank you so much for having me. I had a ball. Um, all of the Dublin writers that were there, they were just really warm and wonderful, as you can imagine. Paul Fitzsimmons, who um, interviewed me for um, an online magazine, and he's also an, a podcast listener. Thank you, Paul. Um, also in Belfast, I want to give a shout out to David McRae, who gave me the wildest nighttime tour of Belfast. It was great. I, I saw like castles at 11 p.m. It was wow. really fun. Did you uh, have some sauce first? You know, Irish I, whiskey? I do have to say that thing about Guinness is not overrated. It really is that good. And then I also want to give a shout out to Ryan Boyd, who I actually did a pub crawl with. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Also a podcast listener. It's really, really cool to go into another country and and hang out with people who listen to this podcast it's it's great and it's also a little weird because they know so much about you <laughs> and then i go oh really i said that that was stupid why did i say that Coinc- I coincidentally i uh had a new cousin born today uh <gasps> the name seamus oh nice irish name seamus finn dom well i am Shout not gonna to i am not gonna do an irish accent with the seamus thing because Very that good. was one thing that was definitely told to me in in both <laughs> Dublin and Belfast that my Irish accent is uh, offensive and sucks. But other than that, everybody was really nice. So. Did they do awesome. American accents? You know, every once in a while somebody would do an American accent. And it's funny. It's really funny. Everybody sounds well, like a cowboy. You weren't insulted. They should lighten up. Come on, Fitzsimmons. <laughs> Nobody did me. Um, thank God. Can those um, Irish folks write? Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. Well, you know, I think everywhere I go, it's it's incredible to me how I, I start to forget where I am because it always feels like the class is here. Everybody's creating the same way. They have similar concerns. They're, they, you know, they get blocked in the same way and then they push through it in the same way. You know, it's, everybody's an artist. It's kind of cool. I think it's cool. Um, and I will be in Poland uh, next week at something called Script Fiesta. Wait. 
That's Mexico. Yeah, I know. I know. It's kind of weird, right? You're going to Poland for Cinco de Mayo. Yes, it's Script Fiesta. (laughs) No, I can't remember. Script Pierogi? No, it's Fiesta. It's Fiesta. It's definitely Fiesta. So check out uh, Fiesta Film Fiesta. Oh God, I knew I'd screw it up. Anyway, Poland. Ryan will put the it's link in Warsaw. It's yeah. It'll, it'll be on my Facebook page. Go to the On the Page Facebook page. Check out everything. Um, go to onthepage.tv and see what else uh, we're offering. Definitely check out June classes. I'll be in New York and in Chicago with Lee Jessup doing a career class. <sighs> That's a lot of stuff. Be there, be square, folks. That's right. Um, so thanks again, Caleb. Oh, thank you so much. It was, this was a lot it. of fun. Uh, you were. This Ryan kid's got some good chops. I Keep know. I know. He's great. Thanks, Ryan, guys. where can people find out about you and follow you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Buds, R Y A N B U D D S. That has uh, most of my updates. And I host Trivia in Covina, if anyone lives in Covina, California, every Monday night, 10 to 12. Come play some trivia with I think me. It's, you can see Ryan in person. Yep. Yes. Remind me to get a pi- uh, picture with you, Caleb. I'll take it right now. Okay. Sure. Let's All do right, it. All right. We'll post it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening and have a good writing week. <laughs>